I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello there, listener. During this episode, we talk about Steve Cooper's departure from Swansea. And during that discussion, we thought John Eustace was going to be the man taking over from him. However, during the first break, we realized that wasn't going to be the case. However, we do react to that news just after the first break. But just to avoid confusion, just thought I'd drop you a little message to say that we do know that isn't going to be the case now. But yeah, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Steve Cooper to my Alice Cooper. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon to you, Ryan. How's he going, Justin? I'm, I'm tip top. I'm fresh after a uh, uh, an individual award at football, so I'm, I'm pretty oh. chuffed with that. Oh, what did you yeah. get? I got, uh, got Clubman of the Year. Is that like the thanks for turning up award? I wouldn't say... It's quite that far. It, it's it's more of a nod to my efforts behind the scenes. Are you the chap who brings the balls to training, the bibs, that kind of thing? Sort of. I'm the chap who takes the kit home and washes it. Yeah, you're, you're definitely the thanks for turning up award then. Yeah, we'll take <laughs> you, it. You, we'll you take look, it. You're looking well today. You're looking well on this glorious Sunday. It's semi-glorious. It's, it's part cloudy with a chance of sunshine. Yeah, it definitely is <laughs> not as bloody hot as it has been recently. No, I can we're tell very you that. <laughs> we're very lucky because recording a podcast when we've got to keep our windows closed in that kind of heat is not pleasant whatsoever. Although I do think we've got some more heat coming up in the near future. Well, congratulations on your award, Justin, and congratulations you so to you, listener, because you're are back at the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. That nearly made sense. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Less than two weeks until the start of the new championship season, ladies and gentlemen. In this show, we're going to have a look at some of the new teams in the second tier this season. Those who have been relegated from the Premier League and promoted from League One. We'll have a discussion about them, which will inevitably lead on to parachute payments. We'll then talk about some of the news from the past week and also look ahead to our championship league table predictions, which of course are coming up in a week's time very exciting all around but as we know life in the championship is never dull and that's certainly not been the case this week because we've got a manager departure already Steve Cooper has left Swansea just two weeks before the start of the season it comes after months of speculation ever since Swansea lost in the playoff final so in that way not too surprising, but I think the shocking thing, Justin, is that it's happened now. Yeah, the, the timing is um, off. We'd say I think if you're gonna if you're gonna part ways mutually, it may have been done quite soon after the uh, the playoff final, um, or if you're gonna sort of go into the season perhaps in September. But I think both Steve Cooper and Swansea City, perhaps on Swan- from Swansea City's perspective, you're waiting on a big club to come in because there's obviously those links to Crystal Palace and Fulham. Uh, and then from Steve Cooper's perspective, going now is probably the best chance because your stock is still very high after two top six finishes um, in consecutive seasons on a limited budget. So there'll be, there'll be suitors going after Steve Cooper for sure. But yeah, the timing, a mm, bit weird. Yeah, well, the, the departure happening now does seem weird, but when you read into it a bit more, mm. you start to find some little tidbits. Because yeah. apparently, according to The Athletic, I think it was, maybe it wasn't The Athletic, I can't remember. That's really poor and unprofessional on my account. But apparently, his departure had been planned for two weeks, and Cooper has stayed with the team so they could have a proper pre-season. So when you hear that, I mean, fair play to Steve Cooper in that sense. Literally handed in his notice. 
yeah, he handed in his notice. He <laughs> said, right, you can go in a couple of weeks. Fair enough. That's fine, me. Um, but apparently his relationship with the club CEO was just mm. non-existent. Um, he's been told there's no money again this summer. And he was also very frustrated that they didn't sign a striker back in January. So you can't really blame him in that case. And it seemed like, as I was just saying a second ago, this was coming the surprising thing was that it didn't happen earlier when Steve Cooper had the likes of Palace, Fulham, West Brom, as you say, um, knocking at his door and seemingly putting up their interest, but maybe not necessarily making it formal interest. But now that he's a free agent on the market, I'm sure he will have... He'll, he'll be top at a lot of shortlists, won't he, whenever a manager does lose their job in this season? He's got a lot going for him. Um and the way what I mean by that is is tactically he's very good because I know Swansea fans wanted him to play a free flowing possession attacking style of football, but I don't think he 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 wouldn't have been able to do that with the players at his disposal, uh, and he wouldn't have been able to do that without being able to bring those types of players in. There were no. glimpses of it. There was there were glimpses of it, um, and they were particularly ruthless defensively. Um, and that's fine because he was getting what he needed to get out of that Swansea team to make them competitive at the top end of the table. And for two thirds, three quarters of the season, they were challenging for the top two. And it wasn't until um, injuries and fatigue and, and other teams working out Swansea that it, it started to go a bit pear-shaped for them. But he's still finishing the playoffs. They still got through to the playoff final. And the season for me was still a massive success. So... Yeah, Steve Cooper is, is is in a very good bracket. There are going to be teams looking at Steve Cooper and thinking, if we give you just even a little bit of money to spend, you'll get a lot out of this side. And not only that, actually, really important point to make. You look at the loan signings he's brought into to Swansea. There'll be clubs at, in the Premier League or, or top-level clubs who will be looking at that and going, we'll give you our kids because we know you look after them really well. And that's yeah. that's going to be that's going to be a negative for Swansea next season because they don't have that pull anymore. Well, it's a massive point. You're 100% correct in that point because you look at the players that he's developed under his watch. Brewster, Gallagher, mm-hmm. uh, Gurhi, Woodman. He's developed all these players and then his own players as well, the likes of Conor Roberts, Joe Roden. He has made these players into effectively Premier League players under his watch. Mm-hmm. And then, not just that, the results side of things, he's managed to get this Swansea side, which hasn't had much money spent on it, he's managed to get them in the playoffs two seasons in a row. That's a bloody good achievement. Yeah, and uh, just to add to that point, I'm not n- no way criticising Graham Potter, but Graham Potter finished outside of the playoffs doing the exact same thing um, with maybe a higher calibre of player there, except Ole McBurney. Um, yeah. I know Andrea was out on loan. There was a couple of other senior players out on loan as well, like Bastonic um, and whatnot. But he had the same set of circumstances and he finished outside of the playoffs. Uh, and Graham Potter's gone on to do very good things at Brighton. I think Steve Cooper can go the same way, um, but I think he needs a job in between just to see what he can do with the right um, the right tools, shall we say. Better resources is probably yeah. a good way of putting it. Because it would have been interesting to see how he would have done at Swansea had he been given the resources. Because as I say, he, he barely had any resources at all. And that's ultimately the main reason, seemingly, why... He's now left the Swans and he will be at the very top of any shortlist for any top championship side, lower Premier League side, when a manager does leave in the coming season. Because it's obviously going to happen at some point. (laughs) Um, But here we are, Justin. Steve Cooper has gone and his successor, not confirmed at the time of recording, but seemingly certain to happen now, is going to be John Eustace. The former Mm. Coventry, Watford and Derby midfielder. His spell at Derby was one which particularly stole your heart from what I understand. I I love John Eustace and it's it's probably not just me. It's going to be Watford fans. It's going to be Coventry fans. I think he had a spell at Stoke as well. Um, Mm. He's he's, he's such a cool man. Um, Water carrier. Yeah, the the, de- the definition. He does the dirty work for his side. Obviously, this is him as a player, not as a coach. <laughs> but yeah, as a player, he was he was a very good, very good um, individual and, um, and and a very heartwarming thing. Even now, as a coach, and he did the same thing as a player before the game. He will walk out on the pitch. Obviously, when the team arrive at the stadium, they'll go out to the pitch, check it out. When he does that, he calls his dad. He rings his dad. Oh, yeah. Isn't that nice. Well, well done, still, John, on being still a does it as a coach. Man. Yeah, still well, does it as a coach man. as well. 
Well, as a player, he always came across as the kind of bloke who would be a good manager because he was a leader on the pitch, wasn't he? And he read the game particularly well. His only managerial experience that we've seen so far was when he was at Kidderminster in non-league. Mm. Didn't pull up too many trees, but he was credited with having a nice style of play. They were being dubbed in the press as the non-league Barcelona. Um, and then his only other spell in management was a short spell as caretaker at QPR a couple of years ago when they lost four out of his seven matches, although QPR were particularly terrible at the time. So it, it's hard to really see how this is going to go, but based on his spell at Kidderminster, it looks like it might be a swing towards a better style of play, a style of play that wasn't this defensive version mm-hmm. that we saw before? Yeah, I think Swansea are obviously trying to correct the path um, that they've been going down. Um, as you say, uh, not not watched Kidderminster too much in, in my time, um, but I think another Why important not? factor here is <laughs> yeah, bit very poor of me. Should should do better. Um, but another, another factor here is that... Um, John Eustace was on the shortlist when they were trying to appoint Steve Cooper as well. So they're, they're clearly admirers, admirers of, of John Eustace. And, um, you know, he might not be a, a decorated coach so far, but he's, he's got admirers uh, elsewhere. He's, he's got a calibre of coach and a pedigree that he's developed so far. So, you know, it's, it's a slightly left field because it's not the usual crew that get linked with jobs that they're going for. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see what odds on Chris Wilder, even though it just doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah, I think it you know it's, it's a risk because he's an experienced at head coach level, but why not? Let's, let's see how it goes. Well, Swansea have shown that they're not afraid to go left field. I mean, Graham Potter was fairly left field. His only experience was over in Sweden yeah. with Ostersons. And then Steve Cooper had pretty much no managerial experience at club level, did he? he was, his only managerial experience before was his time at England, uh, under-17s yeah. of all that. So, yeah, it seems like Swansea are more than happy to give a young yeah. coach a chance at management. And they've got it right the past two times. Who's to say John Eustace won't go the same way? The only issue is, you look at Swansea's squad at the moment, Justin, and it's, to put it politely, significantly weaker than last season, isn't it? They, I wouldn't say they're in a bit of bother, but they, have, they do have very good players there. Um, I would but, say they're in a bit of bother. Well, I, I don't think they'll be threatening relegation or no, going no, no, into the no. lower half of the table. I, I d- well, I, I'm not sure about the second point. I, I don't think they'll go down this season. I don't think they'll even be in a relegation battle. But it won't surprise me at some point this season if we look at them and say they're looking over their shoulder a bit. Uh, yeah, maybe in October. Um, but for, for me, I, the, the, there's a, a very good core squad there. Um they need to. They need to make additions. They they have to. Um, I'm surprised that they haven't made more. But there are a lot of teams in that bracket so far in the championship. But for me, um, I think there's enough in this side to at least finish mid table. Um, I, I think that they 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 still got business to make, and I think they will add to the squad. Um, perhaps that they've not. The reason why they've not added to the squad too much is because they know Steve Cooper's on his way out for the last two weeks. Um, so they're lining up another coach who's going to have his own targets or they're going to bring in targets to that coach's style of play. So there is still still work to be done for, for Swansea. So I don't think they're going to be in too much of a... Uh, I, don't th- I don't think they're going to get, get near looking over the shoulders, to be honest. That's, that's, that's my thoughts on that. But we said back at the end of the season that they've got a mini rebuild to do um, and they still have to do that. I think it's a big rebuild. They've lost the three best players from last season. Yeah. Still could definitely, I'd say it's quite likely that they'll lose their next two best players in Matt Grimes and Connor Roberts. Uh, Grimes has recently been linked with a move away again. And now they've got an inexperienced manager in charge as well. I'd say it's concerning times at Swansea. And you look at the different areas of the squad, they were massively relying on Andre Ayew going forwards this season, uh, last season, sorry, but he's now gone. And their only striker, and he's not really a striker, is Jamal Lowe. And he wasn't particularly prolific last season, was he? So that's a concern. You lose Mark Gurhey and Freddie Woodman, two pivotal uh, players in the defence and in goal. Mm-hmm. And then Connor Roberts might go as well. So it's looking like a bit of a patchy squad compared to how it was last season. It wasn't the thickest of squads in the Championship either. True. You are you are right. And OK, yeah, they've got players that are going to be potentially on the way out. Um, but... Again, for me, I just I think 
because they've got this consistency in style of play, they don't need to do much in terms of a coach coming coming in. They just need to tweak things essentially. That's that's uh, that's what Swansea do in terms of appointing head coaches. So they get continuity, so they don't have to complas- uh, completely drastically change anything. Um, but as I say, I think Swansea have still got to add to the squad. I think they are going to add to the squad over the next couple of weeks. I think we'll see a couple of additions as soon as John Eustace is is appointed, um, and I think we'll see. Um, additions coming before the end of the transfer window, so I'm not pressing the panic button. Uh, I think they, I do think they, they've got a lot of quality in their squad, and I'm not I'm not worried about them at all. I'm on the other side of the fence. They, they've got to bring in players, haven't they? Because they've only brought in two senior players, from what I can see. Um, so yeah, they've definitely got to do business before the window closes. But the season's only two weeks away now, so they're heading into the season a bit light-handed in my opinion Justin let's have a quick break after that we'll look ahead to the newbies in the championship this season and talk about some of the news from the past week I tell you what there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt I've got loads of them a Juventus shirt Marseille shirt even an Antalya sport shirt One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that, of course, includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a Classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either. They've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast, and we start with some breaking news, unbelievably. Just as we were sat there in the break, just chilling out, relaxing, mm-hmm. got some breaking news that John Eustace has turned down the Swansea job. Uh, reluctantly turned it down, apparently, according to Mike McGrath from The Telegraph. Um, Justin, your reaction to that news? A complete disappointment, not only in the fact that he's... he's I want to see John Eustace as a head coach in the championship, but also as podcasters, we spend hours making notes. We do a lot of research. <laughs> Everything's lined up. We even sit down and talk about it for 15 minutes. And he ruins your Sunday that quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's interesting, to say the very least. The fact that he's turned it down. Mm. I'd love to know what's happened there. Apparently it's reluctantly. I, I keep going back to that. Um whether the job on offer just wasn't up to his liking, maybe. Well, a comparison there is, you know, when you've had a chocolate bar and then you go for another one, but go. you reluctantly, you reluctantly step away from it because you know the second one's going to be bad for you. It's just going to, it's too much sugar, it's too much fat, it's not good for your diet. Maybe there's the same thinking here with Swansea City and John Eustace is the fact that not everything's there for him, wouldn't be good for him. He's stepping away. Maybe. Maybe you want it. The case. You want it, but not enough to really damage yourself. I don't know. There you go. There you go. Justin Peters summed it up there, ladies and gentlemen. But there, there we go. Swansea back on the managerial hunt to find a new manager, which is not ideal because it looked like John Eustace coming in for two weeks just before the start of the season would have been a decent amount of time, wasn't it, to try and prep the squad ahead of the yeah. first game of the season. But now they haven't got a manager still. And mm. uh, I, I, I imagine that does disrupt the plans somewhat, but we'll come back to you when we find out a bit more on, man- on Swansea's managerial situation. Justin, let's move on. We'll talk about some of the newbies in the Championship this season. Of course, the three relegated teams, Fulham, Sheffield United and West Brom, and the promoted teams from League One, Blackpool, Peterborough and Hull. Nearly forgot them then. Um, We'll start off with the relegated teams, Justin. And I think this is quite interesting because there has been talk of a top four in the championship this season, Mm -hmm. that being the three relegated teams plus Bournemouth. Are you buying into that? Yes and no. I don't... I always hate it because I I like to have a very sort of um, plain look at things at the start of the season. I like things to be very (laughs) simple in a way that... I don't think about parachute payments. I don't think about heavily invested in squads that have just come down from the Premier League that have big wage bills and are probably already more competitive than the other sides. Um, but in reality, that is the case, sadly. Um, but I mean, 
you, you only have to look at some of the fees that have been banded about already for for some players this weekend. Um, this weekend, exactly, and um, that just gives you a bit of a, an indication as to what ballpark they're they're hitting in compared to the other sides. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a top four side, as we've seen. We saw with Bournemouth, they struggled for a large periods of last season, or for some periods of last season, and they only just scraped into the playoffs. Say scraped into the playoffs, it was with the with three games to go, but they should have been competing a lot nearer to the top two. So it isn't as cut and dry uh, for me. I would disagree with you, actually. I am very much looking at it and thinking a top four is looking like a distinct possibility this season. Just because, as you say, they're in a completely different ballpark. And yes, Bournemouth mm-hmm. had this, have got pretty much the same team as they had last season. But now they have got a better manager in charge with Scott Parker. Someone, I'll admit, I haven't necessarily been a massive fan of oh, yes. in his time as manager. But he is a better manager than Jason Tindall and Jonathan Woodgate. That is true. Um, so I'm looking at that and thinking these teams are clearly much better resourced than the other teams in the championship and when I was putting together my league table predictions don't want to give too much away but I'm looking at it and thinking I'm struggling to see which other teams in the championship can compete with these four teams Uh, and it's weird because up until last season relegated sides were finding it quite difficult to bounce straight back up weren't they but now that seems to have all changed And I will admit, I've been someone who's been pretty neutral on the debate about parachute payments. I can see why they exist. However, now I'm putting this down to the pandemic. I don't think they're needed. And I think it's because there's too much money in the Premier League. And while clubs who get relegated, when they come down to the championship, they're facing teams who, because of the pandemic, are struggling to make ends meet. And... Mm. Because those clubs have had a taste of the Premier League money, they can just happily, you know, splash it around. It is an interesting debate to have, um, and I know we're going to get onto it at some point. But Fulham, for example, with a player they signed this weekend, have once they've been crafty, they've they've played the system very well, and but still, it's helping. The, the, the fact that they've been even able to make. They've been able to afford it, haven't they? I know they haven't actually yeah. spent the money. For, for anyone who doesn't know what they're talk, what we're talking about, Harry Wilson to Fulham, twelve million pounds. First off, I doubt twenty or one other Championship sides um, will be able to spend that money combined. Um, it's just <laughs> it's just mind blowing. But also, according to the Athletic. Um, Fulham aren't going to be paying any of that money until next year because they've come to some sort of a deal with Liverpool. But they're going to have to pay that money back. So, you know, a side like, I don't know, Reading, for example, they can't make that guarantee because, you know, they haven't got the money in the background to Mm -hmm. make that kind of deal. But I I just struggle to see the point in parachute payments. It's easy to go back to that because relegated sides... They're able to afford to preserve um, the players that they've got. Like Bournemouth, for example, they've managed to keep hold of this massive wage bill of players for two consecutive seasons. And other clubs in the Championship, you know, struggling to get by. It is that case of rewarding failure, isn't it? Um, that they, they, these clubs have yeah. come down and they are given massive wads of cash because they they have been relegated. And as you say. It does logically make sense that they have these these parachute payments because they're coming down with Premier League wage budgets and they need to be able to parachute down softly, yeah. nicely, uh, rather than just jumping straight into the championship where your income is significantly lower. Saying that, should these clubs or should the Premier League then redistribute some of the wealth amongst the championship clubs so it is more of a level playing field? I don't know. I don't, I don't see a... It's always going to favour one one group of teams. Anyway, well, the, the, the fact of the matter is, before when teams got relegated from the Premier League, they had to sell to preserve the futures of their clubs. They had to get mm-hmm. rid of the players with the massive wage bills. But now, because there's so much money in the Premier League, they can afford to just hold on to these players for a couple of seasons. And a really good point here that you have just made, and I am now agreeing with you, is that these clubs go up to the Premier League, they throw money at players. And when they come down to the championship, no one wants to pick them up because the wages are significantly higher than probably yeah. what they should be. Which is why over the last four or five years, we've seen the likes of Derby, uh, Reading, uh, Borough, 
pay a lot of money for very average players. And that's because yeah. of that massive inflation um, that has happened because of Premier League money. And you are right. I think removing parachute payments and, and, and redistributing the wealth, um, uh, as we should say, I think would help a lot in alleviating that. Um, but, yeah. I mean, go back onto the sides. They are they are a significantly stronger position. Massively. It's it's three squads which are just effectively full of Premier League players. You look mm. at West Brom, for example. We were talking about how striker might be a weak position for them, but they've still got Callum Robinson, Carlin Grant. If you take one of those players out of their team and give them to another championship side, they'd get in they'd walk into pretty much every other championship side. <laughs> it's remarkable that the players that they've got in their first 11 are Premier League players, and then the second 11s would probably still do quite well in the yeah. championship. And now you add into the mix that all three have appointed three new managers, and they're three probably of the best managers in the league. What more needs to be said about these three teams? Yeah, it's it's very it's worth, it's worth mentioning that we're not bashing those sides at all. They're in the circumstances no, that no, we're in. No, every other club would do exactly the same thing if they're in their yeah. position. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's, and, it's and, a fault with the system, isn't it? Yeah, f the system. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's just why I look at this and think I can't see anything other than a top four this season. It's just. I'm still trying to give people a reason to listen to our league table next week. <laughs> it just depends which of those sides um, is going to finish in the top two. So, uh, are you coming round to the idea of a top four? Or are you still thinking that might not? Be I nice? might, I might spice it up because, as I say, I don't think things are as cut and dry. And we'll go into a bit more depth next week when we do the league table predictions. But you look at some of these teams like Sheffield United and Fulham; they're used to losing. They've they've had a long period of time where they've lost a lot of games. So coming into the championship and expecting them to win. It's a different shift in mentality and attitude and confidence as well for these players. So I don't think it's that easy. Um, and the Championship is a very unforgiving league and there'll be teams that pounce. They'll they'll smell the fear and they'll go straight in. Um, I think <laughs> another good example is Derby when they had that season in the Premier League. They came down, they spent a lot of money bringing in Championship players, very good Championship players, and they finished like 17th. But they're used to losing. The confidence isn't there. There's a well, there's a fragility. Another, another good the example air. is Stoke from a, a couple of seasons ago. Sh- absolutely, had, absolutely. They they had a pretty much a Premier League squad, and it just didn't work. So it, it's not always that cut and dry. And there is usually always at least one side who come out of the pack and manage to challenge for automatic mm-hmm. promotion. And, and I imagine that might very well be the case next season. It's just right now I'm looking at those four sides and saying they're almost look guaranteed to be challenging for promotion this season based on how things are at this very moment in time. Uh, Justin, let's move on. We'll talk about the three new teams uh, promoted from League One into the Championship. And in a parallel kind of way, teams who were coming up from League One were finding themselves having more successful seasons than before. However, recently that seems to have been starting to go the other way. Mm. And we saw that last season with the two promoted sides going straight back down and the other one staying up, although they were in a relegation battle pretty much all the season. And then the season before, the three relegated, the three promoted sides sorry, were fighting for their lives pretty much all season. What are you expecting this season from Blackpool, Posh and Hull? I'm expecting them to be competitive because they are three good teams the only teams that I do do worry about are are probably Hull because they've got a transfer embargo they can't bring in the players like Peterborough have been able to for example Um, I think Blackpool uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing what Blackpool can do mainly because they've got a they've got a good squad they have got a good squad Jerry Yates has just signed a new contract for example which tells Mm -hmm. you that things are probably a little bit more long term for that side and obviously Neil, Neil Critchley as well uh, he's, a, he's a very good young coach uh, in the Steve Cooper mould. I think he's come through the Liverpool Academy. Uh, he's taken a big step into into the world of management. And they had an insane run last season where they were outside of the playoffs and ended up finishing in the playoffs. And then Peterborough, there's not really much you need to say about Peterborough because they've not really changed a lot over the last 10 years. They've been doing the same thing over and over again. Darren Ferguson's there. Barry Fry's still there. They still bring in players. They still make them better and they still sell them on for a higher higher profit 
I think they are going to be in a lot better position than they have been though in the past. So I don't think they're going to be. I don't think I don't think the bottom three is going to be as easy to predict as it has been in the past that that, that we've been doing this. Yeah, well, the, la- the bottom three last season, I think pretty much every league table prediction was very similar in mm-hmm. predicting Rotherham, Wickham and Sheffield Wednesday to go down. And that ultimately turned out to be the case. This season, it's uh, very compact in the middle of the table in the championship. With Blackpool, we heard from Tom Main, one of our new contributors from the Seasiders podcast in our five-minute preview, which we've been doing recently. And he thinks they can get mid-table this season. And I imagine there's plenty of Blackpool fans who agree with that. They're entitled to their opinions. Mm -hmm. But comparing them to the rest of the sides in the league, I see them being in a relegation battle this season, mainly because Mm. I think the signings haven't particularly inspired me. That's one reason. And then the squad that remains from last season, I still think has question marks over it. I think they're massively relying on Jerry Yates for goals because their second top scorer in Ellis Sims hasn't come back on loan and it's still a bit up in the air as to whether he's actually going to be there or not. And it is worth pointing out they were the 14th highest scorers in League One last season, which for a promoted side is very much off the pace. But they did have the best defensive record in contrast. So they're going to have to be as defensively solid again uh, this season, aren't they? They they are, but I'm looking at the side now. I'm looking at the, the squad, and they have brought in Richard Keogh, and Okay, he has his uh, he has his doubters, but he's a good, experienced player at Championship level. Might not play every game now because his form wasn't great at Huddersfield last season. But he's the sort of experience you need, Championship Championship experience you need. And then you add Gary Medine, who's in there. He's 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 heavily experienced at Championship level. Chris Maxwell in goal, and James Husband as well. They've all had experience. Kevin Stewart, Kevin Stewart, who. The first season we did the podcast two two seasons ago was one of the highest rated players um, in terms of winning the ball back in midfield in the league until he got injured. So there's clearly a player there, and I don't think it's very hard to say. I don't think they'll be as bad as the likes of um, I don't want to sort of annoy Luton fans, but when they came up under Graham Jones, they were really poor. I don't think they'll be as bad as that. I think it'll be a very competitive sort of bottom six or seven, similar to what we saw last season. Yeah, well, I'm not going to be completely negative because I think Neil Critchley's a great manager. I really rate him as a manager. I just look at the rest of the teams in the Championship and I think Blackpool are near the bottom end. I still think they've got a great chance of staying up and I think they could be competitive this season. I've given them a much better chance of staying up than Rotherham and Wickham from last season. Mm. It's just, it's a very competitive division next season and they're going to have to be on top form throughout the whole thing to stay up. Whether they can get mid-table, I think that's a bit of a long shot. But there you go. Peterborough and Hull, then, uh, they were the two best teams in League One last season by quite Mm. some distance in my opinion I think both are much capable of having better seasons than what we've seen from promoted sides over the past two years would you agree with that Uh, I would agree and that's mainly because they're they're set up to do it you look at Hull and Noah have said that they've got a transfer embargo but they've got a really good crop of young players Keen Lewis Mm. Potter uh, Jacob Greaves at centre half Malik Wilkes who scored over 20 goals last season there's a really good side here. Louis Coyle, I think, criminally underrated. Um, he's a very good League One right back, so I'll be very interested to see how he steps up into into the championship because he's a very attacking right back as well. Um, they've got a very good side, but as I say, I think the only thing that concerns me is the inability to bring in players um, for, for fees or, or loan signings. I think they've brought in one loan signing so far, which is Ryan Longman from, from Brighton, or I think they've got Nathan Baxter from Chelsea as well. This whole... But that... Yeah... But this, this, it could it could hold them back a little bit, um, but I think everything's there for them to go. And Peterborough, I'm not going to give too much of away, but after these promoted sides, I think there could be one surprise um, in terms of finishing near the top six. Well, I, I'd happily well. stick my neck out, and that, that's because I am impressed with these three sides. But Peterborough, from an attacking point of view, are incredible. They're very very good. Well, very very good. Well, one thing I could guarantee with both these teams is goals. Goals, goals, goals. Because there is a lot of firepower in these goals, two goals, sides. Goals. <laughs> yeah. Johnson, Clark Harris and Syracuse Dembele will score goals for Peterborough, particularly Clark Harris. As long as they manage to keep hold of him this summer, which I think they will do now, 
then he could have a fantastic and a very entertaining season in the championship with uh, with Posh. Then Hull, as you say, have got Malik Wilkes and Keane Lewis Potter on the wings, who I can see causing fullbacks a lot of problems this season. My concern for both sides is at the back, because both had fairly decent defensive records in League One. But we saw with Coventry last season, they had the best defensive record in League One when they got promoted, yet they were like a sieve at times in the championship. <laughs> so with Hall, they've lost Reese Burke, who was an important player at the back for them, and they haven't yeah. been able to bring in a replacement, which is a concern. And then for Posh, they were slightly less good at the back than Hall were. Uh, they have brought in Josh Knight, though, a player who I it's thought good was signing. fantastic. Very good signing. Wickham. Yeah, very good signing. He was fantastic at Wickham last season, so I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in the Peterborough side. I think there's a lot. There's a lot to like about both these teams. Yeah, just jumping onto Peterborough, I think you only need to uh, look at the, the transfers that they brought in and see where their priorities are. They've brought in Jack Marriott, who scored goals for Peterborough. Didn't really do it at Championship level for Derby, but he has scored goals for Peterborough. Clearly got something in the bank, uh, and George Grant as well, who was very good at Lincoln City last season. Very good. One of the best players in League One, actually. Um, so you can see where, where their priorities lie coming into the championship. And I think they'll take teams by surprise because they won't be used to teams coming at them cutthroat like I think Peterborough will, which is which is why I think they will fare quite nicely in the championship next season. I like your optimism about Peterborough. Just don't, I, I, Going back to this, their last season in championship, they were very good attacking-wise. They just leaked a lot of goals. They oh, don't yeah. defend very well. And I, I think we could see something similar. But if they tighten up a little bit, yeah, they'll be a very good team in the championship. Yeah, well, I, I fancy both to do quite well next season. Um, there are definitely championship sides right now who I think are in worse positions than both they are, even though Hull haven't been able to sign many players this summer. Um, my, my one concern, actually, just before we move on to the news, my one concern with both these is the managers. Because hmm. Darren Ferguson hasn't had the best record at championship level, Grant McCann had a bit of a nightmare at championship <laughs> level last time he was in a in the championship. Whether they managed to change that now when they've improved as head coaches, only time will tell, I suppose. I'll I'll disagree. I think they've they've learned a lot from their time. Um as you say, Grant McCann had a bit of a nightmare six months uh, the season hall came down, but I think again they learned a lot because they they could have quite easily folded last season. They didn't they were very, very good, ruthlessly and consistently good. Peterborough, Darren Ferguson, at this point in his coaching career, has been there and done it. Um, and I think he's he's better equipped now um, to to succeed at championship level. So I'll disagree with you, politely there. Both very good squads. I, I, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll concede that on this occasion. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news, and we'll start with the headline hogs, Derby. They're allowed to sign players again, although they can only get five of them, and they can only get free agents. So, it's a start? Hmm. It's it's not ideal, but they can move forwards uh, from what has been a pretty dismal time to be a Derby fan. It's it's been sucker punch after sucker punch after sucker punch, and finally there's a little bit of light, tiny glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel. But it's not even as... sucker punching, really. I'd say, more, <laughs> I'd say it's more happy slapping. <laughs> it's it is constant bludgeons in the stomach. Um, from the, the EFL has stood over you with a camera. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's in charge of the EFL? It's Rick Parry, isn't it? Yeah. He's yeah. There, happy slapping Mel it's... Morris across the face. <laughs> don't condone it at all um <laughs> essentially it's that isn't it it's it's just been a punch in the stomach after a punch in the stomach as a, as a derby support and I, even as wayne rooney I, I have to feel for him weekend just gone they played a friendly oh. with salford and he's come out and said derby county get your shit together or i'm off that's essentially what he said and fair play yeah. but he, he said it while his voice was quivering and i felt so sorry for him like it's hard to feel sorry for a man who is essentially a millionaire, but at the same time, he ju he just seems so downtrodden. You can tell he wants the best for Derby County. You can tell he wants to really succeed, but Mel Morris has shafted him massively, hugely. 
Oh, by yeah. the way he's ran the club and we're not going to get into this debate because it's exhausting it's exhausting as podcasters to have to talk about Derby every week and it's probably exhausting for listeners to have to listen to it but Derby make a headline almost every week and we have to cover it um, but yeah Wayne Rooney I, you, you feel sorry for him I, 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 sort of towards the end of last season I want to give him an opportunity if he gets players in but he doesn't look like he's going to get that and it's a massive massive shame because it could have been something good because he's clearly got the ambition and drive to succeed. It's a shame the club don't. Uh, it's a shame the club don't have that either. Right now, I just want to put an arm around him, tell him it's going to be all, all right. Although I can't <laughs> guarantee it will be. Uh, Forest have appointed former Barnsley chief exec Dane Murphy as their new CEO. He was in charge when they got to the playoffs last season. A move that makes sense because Barnsley were doing fantastic things yep. off the pitch, weren't they? In terms of bringing in players, the right managers. So yeah a move that seems to make sense from that perspective. Let's move on to transfer news, Justin. Harry Wilson has joined Fulham for £12 million. Spurs keeper Paolo Gazaniga has also moved to Craven Cottage. Now that we've moved on from the financial side of things, Justin, we can now actually talk about what it means from a footballing sense. What, what, do, you think of, uh, what do you think of those two moves? Well, I, I messaged you last night and saying that's very tidy. Paolo Gazaniga is probably the best third-choice keeper I've ever seen for Spurs. He was very, very good, and he is a good keeper at this uh, championship. Uh, sorry, he will be a good keeper at championship level. He's got all the attributes to do it. Um, I hope he's first choice because I, I do like him a lot, and I think he will be a very good keeper for Fulham. Uh, Harry Wilson, we know what he can do at championship level. It's a shame he's not stepped up. For a championship player, would you pay £12 million? Uh, maybe. He's at a crossroads in his career, I think. Because he's not quite a left winger, he's not quite a right winger, he's not quite a number 10, he's a, he's a mould of all three and I don't think that's a good thing. But it's still a very good signing at this level. Yeah, he's without a doubt a very good signing, it's just 12 million seems a bit steep. However, you've got to take into account he's 24, he didn't manage to replicate the season that he had at Derby at Cardiff last season mm-hmm. however he still had a pretty good season in terms of numbers we're talking double figures for assists seven goals it's a helps, pretty good season helps when they're very good at set pieces that does <laughs> that is a very good point however he, he's still a very good player isn't he we all know what he's capable of and given the opportunity he can be a fantastic brilliant in fact championship player so yeah it, it all seems to make sense it's just it's kind of overshadowed by the financial side of things oh yeah Middlesbrough signed rather than midfielder Matt Crooks on a three-year deal you a fan of that oh massive fan Matt Crooks Neil Warnock is a match made in heaven Neil Warnock's putting together the most Neil Warnock side he could possibly put together and I'm all for it everyone's going to get Neil Warnock next season and you can't stop it but Crooks makes sense, doesn't he? Because he, he, was, he, yeah. he works so hard. He's tall, which helps on the Neil Warnock side. <laughs> um, but he's a fantastic midfielder as well. His technical ability is great. It makes complete sense. He's going to grab you eight or nine goals next season. Uh, he did in a struggling Rotherham side. Uh, and, he, and I think he will do for, for Borough. I think Neil Warnock teams bank on about five or six players getting eight or nine goals. They don't ever have a prolific goal scorer. And Matt Crooks is just another piece in a jigsaw for Neil Warnock. Fair enough. Wolves right back Dion Sanderson has joined Birmingham on loan. Did you see the uh, video that they announced his transfer with? It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. Neil Buchanan's the uh, creative director at Birmingham City. And if anyone doesn't know who Neil Buchanan is, or if any of the listeners are too young, he's the guy who was the host of Art Attack years see, ago. When you said Neil Buchanan, I was thinking, <laughs> isn't that the Art Attack bloke? Like, is that an actual thing? What, that he's at Birmingham City? Yeah. No, I'd made that up. I oh, wasn't right, joking. Okay. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't... No, I'm so Why would he work at Birmingham City? Well, he might do. You never know. Either uh, way. Actually, I, I don't know. He might do. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> we'll have to do some digging on that. But yeah, the video for the announcement was basically coloured sand and someone has managed to rearrange it to look like Dion Sanderson. And it was remarkable. Hmm. I, I don't know how you do it how you manage to rearrange sand into an art form and it's just a, 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 a beautiful thing I, I urge anyone who hasn't seen it to look at it as soon as possible because it's a thing of beauty i'll happily I'll, I'll do a let... podcast talking about that instead i'll try and find you a course on groupon don't worry oh fantastic thank you uh contract news 
Peli, Ruddock and Panzu has ended speculation about his future at Luton by signing a new deal. He was being linked with a move to Middlesbrough. Good news for all at Kenilworth Road. Junior Stanislas will be staying at Bournemouth after he signed a new deal. His old one expired at the end of last month. And Jerry Yates has signed a new deal at Blackpool, which you just mentioned a second ago, Justin. The striker scored 23 goals for the Seasiders last season. Moving on to some sad news. And it's sad because it kind of made a large chunk of our episode last week completely redundant. Izzy Brown is going to miss the majority of the season after an Achilles injury. He's only just signed a new one-year deal at Preston. And uh, from his perspective, it's terrible luck because I don't think we're going to be seeing him play much at all in that one-year deal, are we, after this injury? Mm. It's devastating, isn't it? You talk about unlucky. I think when he went on loan to Leeds, he he tore his ACL, didn't he? And he was out for the season. He made a couple of appearances in the playoffs against Derby. Uh, And he's obviously had this this call up because one thing he's needed is a home to settle in. Preston was that. And the kid gets injured. It's, it's, yeah, it's rough. But he's he's been there before. He can bounce back and I hope he does. He's He's a talented player. I wish we could see more of it. Yeah, it's terrible luck. Yeah, and he's had some terrible luck over the past few seasons of his career. I suppose if there's one positive, it's the fact that he's managed to sign a deal at a club so that he can get treatment while he's at that club. From a Preston perspective, it's obviously, and this is a very cynical way of looking at it, but it's not yeah, yeah. they're paying they're paying wages <laughs> to a player who's probably not going to make an appearance for them. But it's just it's just so sad that his career has taken such a setback at such a key point um, and now who knows what the future holds for his but hopefully he manages to recover and gets back to playing at the championship because we all know what a quality player he is other injury news QPR midfielder Sam Field is going to miss up to four months with a knee injury which is not ideal for him either and finally we're sending our best wishes to Luton legend Mick Harford who's been diagnosed with prostate cancer Best of luck to you, Mick. Justin, let's do some polls. So here we are. This is the part of the show where we ask you three questions on Twitter to try and get the views of the general public. The questions this week, Justin, were all surrounding, well, two of them were surrounding the new teams in the championship. Out of the three relegated teams, how many will go straight back up? Zero, one, two or three? I think two. Actually, I was going to say, don't give too much away because uh, we've got our league table predictions. But I think, you kind of away I think zero. <laughs> well, 46% said two, 45% said one. So that's bloody close, isn't it? 4% said three and 5% said zero. Now, without giving too much away, out of the three promoted teams, how many will stay up? Zero, one, two or three? It could be one, it could be two, it could be three. Who knows? There we go. 46% said one. So not too many people wow. hopeful of them staying up. 43% said two. 7% said three. 4% said zero. And finally, what is your favourite brand of toothpaste? Aquafresh, Colgate, Oral-B or Sensodyne? I mean, Colgate are the, the usual ones. Sensodyne are disgusting. Aquafresh. Yeah, I, Aquafresh as burns. A man, as a man... <laughs> Centodyne, <laughs> uh, as, as a man who suffers from sensitive teeth, I have never been able to get behind Centodyne because the toothpaste just tastes funny. It's the texture of it, yeah. it just doesn't do anything for me. A massive 60% use Colgate. Oral B were the second most popular with 18%. 12% said Aquafresh. 10% said Centodyne. So there you go. Justin, before we wrap up the show, I thought I'd ask you about our league tables coming up next week. Because, I mean, it's my favourite time of the year where we do our league table predictions because it's all out on the table. We get to put our necks on the line. Um, Have you got any general thoughts that you want to share with our listeners ahead of our league table predictions? I think there could be, um, oh man, this is such a cliche, but I think there could be one or two surprises in terms of teams competing for the top six. Uh, mm. I, I don't think the relegated sides are that weak compared to other teams in the championship. So 
whether or not they all stay up or one or two go down is another thing. And I don't think there's going to be a nailed on top four that we discussed uh, earlier on in the episode. So I think the biggest one for me is there are a lot of teams in a bracket. I'm not going to try to say them and give anything, give anything away, but they've made some good signings in the summer. They could, they could finish in the top six. I think the table is very condensed in the middle mm-hmm. with teams very similar. I, I'd say there isn't much between 7th and 23rd. <laughs> so I, wow. I, I just think there is not much separating them at all. When I was putting together my league table, I was like, well, I can hold stuff against them. I can hold stuff against them. They look quite good in that area, but they don't look as good in that area. So I really, really struggled in terms of putting some teams above others. So it's very tight. It's very, very competitive in the championship next season around the middle of the table. That's why I think it could be... the Basically, listener, the way we put together our league tables is I put together my league table, mm-hmm. Justin puts together his league table, and I think we could have very different league tables in the mid-table area. So uh, it is I, I going, think we will. It is going to be very interesting to see. And, ladies and gentlemen, you can only find out next week when we release our league table predictions. We'll have 24th to 17th coming out on the Sunday. Then it's going to be 16th to 9th on the Tuesday. And then we've got our top eight coming in at you on Thursday. So get ready, ladies and gentlemen. It's coming. It is coming. Before we wrap up this show, Justin, I thought we'd put out a little plea to our listeners. If you have Twitter and you follow creators similar to us, then you'll have seen that voting for the FCAs is officially out there now, the Football Content Awards. Um, And we very much appreciate it if you would vote for us as Best Football League Podcast. Um, We put in a lot of effort. And if you're willing to spend just about 30 seconds of your time voting for us at the FCAs, we will really appreciate it. We're going to put a link to uh, the voting page in the description of this episode. It literally takes 30 seconds. Not even that, actually. It takes a matter of seconds to do it. So if you're willing to spend that much time supporting us, we'd really appreciate it. So thank you for that. Uh, Any other business before we head off, Justin? No, just looking forward to getting those league predict- league table predictions in, and uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll, and we'll the ignite some debate that proceeds. Yes, it. <laughs> yes, it's. Uh, you say it's your favourite time of the year. It's one I'm quite anxious about, if I'm being honest. I, I look, I look forward to it because it, it's just a good bit of fun, isn't it? But we inevitably yeah. get some sort of bite back on social media from people who disagree, and I think it's going to be worse than ever this season hmm. because judging from our five-minute previews that we've been doing. Not many teams fancy themselves to be in a relegation battle this season. So there we go. But someone's got to be in a relegation battle, haven't they? Um, Final message before we go. More of the five-minute previews are coming up this week, ladies and gentlemen. So you've got that to look forward to as well. But otherwise, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday for our league table predictions. And we look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Thank you.